All right. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Such an exciting day to worship with you. I think it's exciting for a number of reasons. Uh, The first being today is family worship. It's something we do on the first Sunday of every month, and that means we have a bunch of kids here in the worship service, which we are super excited about. So if you're a kid out there, just know we're super glad you're here, and you are always welcome to come and worship with your family and to come and join us uh, in the big church. So we're glad you're here. Next week, we'll be back into Grace Place, and if you haven't checked that out, before. It's an awesome experience for elementary school age kids. Now, it's also exciting because we are going to baptize eight people a little bit later in the service, and there's hardly anything better than that. And then also it's exciting because it's the very first Sunday of 2020, which is just crazy to say, don't you think? You know, it's a new year, but it's also a new decade. It represents many new hopes, many new dreams, and many new opportunities. Now, I also want to take a moment to say hello to the chapel because we're trying something new today. We're going live from here to there because we didn't have a Thursday service to tape like we usually do. So on the count of three, I want everybody in the worship center to say, hi, chapel, all right? One, two, three. All right. And I also know the traditional service is typically where a ton of people shout out amen during sermons. So I just want to tell the chapel, you need to be extra loud today so we can hear you over here. So that'll be good. Now, when I think about the year 2020, I can't help but think about the importance of vision, right? 2020 always makes me think, about vision, and it's especially because I have absolutely horrible vision without my glasses. I think I got glasses for the first time when I was six or seven years old, and my eyesight is so bad now, if I take my very thick glasses off, I can't see anything. It's just a blur. I wouldn't know who is who standing two feet in front of me. I can't read anything, and so I definitely know what it's like to have terrible vision. But you know, when I put on my glasses, suddenly I'm able to have very close to 20-20 vision. Now, I think in much the same way, on our own, every single one of us that's gathered here today has terrible vision. And before you say, no, I've got the greatest eyesight ever, what I'm talking about is vision for the future, vision for our daily life, vision for the world. You know, the Bible talks about this and says, because of our sinfulness and because of our selfishness, we have really a blurred vision of reality. When we look around at our lives or at our world, we're not seeing clearly. And so the Apostle Paul says, right now, it's like we're looking into a very dim mirror. But someday, when we get to join God in heaven, we are going to finally see things clearly. Now, when we acknowledge this and we understand that on our own we don't have 2020 vision, then we celebrate the fact that God has gifted us with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is His presence in our life who comes to give us vision, who comes to give us clarity, to guide us forward. And so God has given Calvary as a church a very clear mission and vision. You see, we have been charged with the job of going out into the community, going out into the world, 
to share the good news of Jesus. The way we put it here is our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what this place has been about for over 70 years. Countless lives have been changed. The gospel has been spread all around the world. And the reason we do this is because Jesus made it very clear what he commissioned us to do as his followers. In Matthew 28, he said, go make disciples of every nation, baptize them and teach them. And that's what this church was founded on and that's what we're about today. Not only that, when you read through the New Testament, it's pretty clear what we should be doing when we get together. In the book of Acts, in chapter two, it talks about we should be meeting together for worship, and so give yourself a gold star. You're off to a great start, perfect attendance for 2020. Let's keep it up. But also, we're to meet together in small groups, to get out of rows and to get into circles. We're also supposed to find ways to serve other people. God created you on purpose for a purpose, And you see, when we're doing those things and we're following God's word and we're trying to accomplish his mission, well, then there's some amazing promises. And one of them comes at the end of Acts 2. It says, and daily God added to the number of those who were saved. All right, when we're engaged in God's mission, when we're using our gifts and talents, when we're seeking after him, when we're following his lead, then we're gonna see people come to faith. And that's what it's all about. But the thing is, because we have this clear mission and vision, we need to keep asking the question, how are we doing? You know, as a church, how are we doing? As individuals, how are we doing? Are we playing our role? Are we doing our part? And when we evaluate and we look at, you know, how did the last year go? We need to answer honestly. And we need to be open to new changes, new ideas, new leadings of the Holy Spirit, and we need to be willing to make the adjustments. You know, instead, we need, we need to be asking ourselves, are we just focused on ourselves? Are we just trying to have a comfortable time together? Or are we focusing outward like God has told us to? You know, when it comes to church, is it about my way and everything I want? Or is it about God's way and what he wants for us? Now, another part of this is I think we need to stop every once in a while and to celebrate the wins, to celebrate when we see the mission being accomplished, to celebrate when we see God moving in a powerful way. And so one thing that I want to celebrate with you is that we had 11 people say yes to Jesus at our Christmas Eve worship services this year. 11 people. That's awesome. Yeah, let's give it up. But what that means is that in 2019, we had 51 people at least give their life to Christ. 51 people who decided to follow Jesus. And that means our mission and our vision is being accomplished. And what I want you to know about that, which makes it even that much more amazing, is that statistically, in the United States today, the average church has less than one person come to faith per year. All right? So we need to celebrate. God is doing something here at Calvary. And I think we need to get on our knees and to pray that God would continue to move and that he would use us as a church and use us as individuals to spread the gospel far and wide. Now, God is such a graceful and understanding God. As we've sung about, he's bigger than we can ever think about. 
But I think part of his grace and part of his understanding is he knows that it's really hard for us to understand things. It's really hard for us to get the picture. It's really hard for us to stay focused. We can get distracted by so many different things. And so again, God in his grace and mercy, he's given us some visual aids where we can see his grace at work, where we can be reminded of what really matters and what's really important. Now, I remember as a kid, way back, having flannel graphs in Sunday school. Anybody else here remember flannel graphs? Like trying to tell the story of Jonah with like this flannel whale and then a little guy and, you know, it was amazing. Visual aids help us understand things. You know, today there's really visual elements to almost everything. We've become such visual people. Well, God, in his grace and mercy, knew that we would struggle sometimes to understand his love. He knew that we would struggle sometimes to understand his grace. And of course, we would struggle to stay on mission. And so he's given us two visual aids that he actually commands us to do. Two things that we're supposed to repeatedly engage in as his church. He says, do these things regularly. Remember what they're about. And those two things are baptism and communion. Now, in some churches, these are called sacraments, which is just a churchy way of saying it's something with an outward sign that signifies something inwardly spiritual or inwardly about God's grace. So basically, it's something tangible that we can see and touch and even taste that can help remind us of God's grace, can help remind us of our mission, Now, the thing about sacraments, the thing about baptism and communion is that they're not the main thing. They're not magic in and of themselves. They don't do anything by themselves. You see, it's not the water being poured on you that saves you. It's not eating the little tiny wafer and drinking the little cup of wine or grape juice that forgives your sins. Because if that's how it worked, we should really hook up a hose down a Nicollet Mall during happy hour in the summer and just hose everyone down. Or we should just put little bits of wafer and grape juice in everybody's meals and then we'd be good to go. No, it's faith in Jesus Christ that saves us. It's faith in Jesus Christ that forgives our sins. Both baptism and communion simply point us to what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And so for just a few moments, I want to talk about baptism with you because a lot of times we get different ideas and we have different opinions and we can get off track. And so I want to look at just what the Bible has to say about baptism and then pretty soon we're going to get to celebrate eight baptisms. Now baptism unites us with Jesus's death and resurrection. And also it's about living out a daily faith connected to him. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. He says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Right? So there's a uniting us with Jesus' death and resurrection. We're raised to new life, but not just once, not just sometime in the past. It's a daily occurrence where we can experience new life. But you know, just like so many things in our culture today, even baptism can become the source of conflict and division. 
Now, typically not with people outside the church. It can actually be a huge source of division and conflict inside the church, which of course is a horrible witness to people who are watching on the outside. For instance, this summer we baptized 10 people by immersion in our park and it was an amazing occurrence, but we had a number of people who were deeply troubled by this when it should really be the source of celebration. It's what Jesus commanded us to do in Matthew 28. And so I want you to remember just a few things as you process through this. The first thing you need to remember, and it's really something good to remember all the time, is if it's in the Bible, it's Lutheran. All right? I'm going to say it one more time. This might be revolutionary. If it's in the Bible, it's Lutheran. Now, that's, of course, way too narrow. If it's in the Bible, it's Christian, right? As followers of Jesus, that's our authority. That's where we go for answers. Now, when the word baptism is used in the New Testament, it literally means immersion, all right? So when we immerse people in baptism, it's simply following what the Bible says. John the Baptist had a mission to baptize people into God's kingdom, and he did it in the River Jordan. And it all culminated with the baptism of Jesus himself when he was 30 years old. Jesus modeled baptism for us. Now, we can get bent out of shape about the details sometimes. And when we do so, we miss the main thing. You know, sometimes people argue, they've written books about how much water do you need? What's the right age? Are we saying the right words in the right order? What I think we need to do, church, is to simply let it be a matter of faith, to trust that God is at work, that we have a dim understanding that someday we will see more clearly. And so when it comes to how we baptize, who we baptize, when we baptize, we need to go back to Scripture. In the book of Acts, there are eight different stories of baptisms, and in a number of these stories, it is whole households that are baptized. See, it was a very patriarchal culture 2,000 years ago. And when the man of the house decided, hey, I want to follow Jesus, it didn't just mean him. It meant everybody under his roof. So it meant his family, regardless of age, and it meant his servants and his slaves. They all would go be baptized together. And you know, we should really be doing the same baptizing people at all different ages. Now, at Calvary, we've been blessed with people from a variety of backgrounds who choose to be a part of this church family. So we have people who are raised in a background where infant baptism is the norm, and maybe they've never seen anything else. But we have other people who come from other church backgrounds where believer baptism was the norm, and they never saw anything else. And we're also blessed with many people who don't even come from a church background, and we want to see more of that. What I want you to remember next is there is absolutely no such thing as Lutheran baptism. And there's absolutely no such thing as a Methodist baptism. And there's no such thing as a covenant baptism or a Catholic baptism or an evangelical free baptism. And you might say, well, how do you know that? Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 5, it says, there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. And so if we want to keep on fulfilling our God-given mission 
as well as being faithful to God's word, we need to make sure we're helping people from all sorts of different backgrounds grow in their faith. And that means baptizing children. It means baptizing adults. Anyone who wants to publicly proclaim their faith in Jesus, anyone who wants to grow in their faith, we want to help in that process. Now, when we look at baptizing children versus baptizing older children or adults, there's a little different perspective. So I just want to talk about that for a moment. You see, when we baptize a small child, we're looking forward to a moment when someday that child will trust Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. We're first celebrating God's free gift of grace for every person. The Bible says he demonstrated his love for us in this, that he died while we were still sinners. Before we could do anything, God offers us this gift of grace. And so when we baptize this child, the parents, the sponsors, and the whole congregation promise together to do everything in their power to point this child to Jesus. And then for the promises of baptism to be received, each person, every one of us, at some point needs to make it personal. Every person needs to make a personal confession of faith. Think of it this way, it's opening up the gift that you've been given. At Christmas, I doubt any of you kept the gift on the shelf. No, you opened it up and received it. And that's what we're celebrating when we baptize a small child. Now, when we baptize adults or older children, we're actually looking backward at a moment that has taken place. It's a public profession of a commitment they've already made in their heart to have faith and trust in Jesus. Baptism is an outward visible sign of an inward spiritual reality. Now, what I want you to remember at this point is we're not saved by baptism. Baptism is not a get-into-heaven-free card, and it's not a get-out-of-hell-free card. Baptism is not just something to check off the list. It's not something to do just because grandma told you to or your family's always done it this way. Always remember, baptism is just the beginning. It's the beginning of a lifelong relationship with Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 makes it clear. We're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by saying yes to Jesus and receiving his gift of grace. And the thing is, that's not a one-time deal. It's a daily walk. It's a daily journey. And that means if you were baptized 80 years ago or 80 days ago or 80 minutes ago, you're not done. Baptism is just the beginning. Now, I love what Martin Luther says in his small catechism. He asks the question, so what does baptism mean for daily living? What does baptism mean for daily living? What does it matter day to day? And here's how he answers it. He says, it means that our sinful self with all its evil deeds and desires should be drowned through daily repentance and that day after day, a new self should arise to live with God in righteousness and purity forever. I want you to notice something there. He says, day after day, baptism's just the beginning. We're united to Jesus' death and resurrection like Paul talks about in Romans 6. 
But day after day, we have an opportunity to turn from our sin, to say we're sorry to God, and to receive new life in him. And it means maybe you look at yesterday and you say, man, I blew it yesterday. I did so many things I shouldn't have. I thought things I shouldn't have. I said things I shouldn't have. And the promise we have because of Jesus is when we turn away, when we repent of our sin, God raises us up to new life again. Now, my grandpa traveled around the world for many decades, evangelizing and preaching the gospel. And one of the things he would ask the crowd, whether it was hundreds of people or thousands of people, is he would ask, when were you born again? And some people would have absolutely no idea how to answer the question. And there were other people who knew the exact date, you know, 25 years ago on a Thursday at 11.02 a.m. But what he would have people do is to look at their watch. And he would say, but are you born again at this very moment? At 11.11 a.m. on Sunday, January 5th, 2020. Are you born again in this moment? And so in just a few moments, we're going to celebrate eight baptisms. Praise God. And we're going to pray for many, many more through the ministry of this church. But I want to speak to you individually where you sit today. Don't let this moment go by without renewing your own faith in Jesus. Take the next moment to recommit yourself to his love and his grace and his power. Allow his transforming grace to come into your life again, no matter what you've done or said or thought, no matter what your story is. Let him move in a fresh way in your heart and in your life. Now, if you haven't been baptized before or you want to reaffirm your baptism, it's not too late because we have a baptism Sunday coming up again this summer and we'd love to talk with you. But at this moment, as you sit here today, how's your relationship with Jesus? Take this moment today to turn from your sin and be raised to new life because of what Jesus has done for you. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this incredible celebration where we get to celebrate all the kids that are here today. We get to celebrate a new year and a new decade. And we get to celebrate the new life that you give through baptism. God, we're so thankful for what you're doing in so many people's lives. We're so thankful for this church called Calvary. God, I pray for every person seated here today that you would open our hearts and minds to your grace, to your power, to your mercy, to your new life that you want to offer us. God, help us to leave here a little bit different today so that we can go and share your love in the world. And God, we pray that our mission and vision here at Calvary would continue to grow and would continue to have great impact in this community and beyond. God, this is your church, and we just want to follow you closely and do your will. And so we trust you in Jesus' name and all God's people said together, amen. <laughs>